Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. Although today, we're kind of stepping outside of that a little bit and going somewhere else. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers for Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts today. Um, first one up, our other lore-focused writer, that would be Matt Rossi. Hi, Rossi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> You're kind of subdued today. Yeah, um, it's been like really, really, really hot and kind of scary up here. Oh yeah, there's this gigantic wildfire that like is the, that the, in your area? Because I noticed it's like it's not exactly like in Canada terms it is because it's like 390 kilometers away, which for Canada that's nothing. Okay, but like that's further away than like Boston you're talking is in New kilometers, York. and I'm sorry, I'm a miles kind of girl. It's about 220 or so, 230 miles. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's like it's across exactly, the state from here. It's, yeah, it's not exactly close, no. but it's it's a four-hour commute. But at the same time, the fire is so enormous at this point that it's kind of concerning. It's like scary. We, we can smell it. We can smell it from here. Yeah. Um, and it's it's currently heading towards the Saskatchewan border. I'm not sure if it's if it's hit the border or not. So there's a point in this book where something happens, and I'm reading that scene while smelling, like, smoke oh made it mm-hmm. particularly vivid okay like, well oh, okay. before we get too much farther into that let me go ahead and introduce our other co-host he would be our shaman columnist but he's also a lore aficionado himself and that would be joe perez hey joe well hello everybody i uh i don't have anything entertaining or horrifying like fires raging yeah i was gonna say your area is not on fire is it no no we, okay. we still have the we still have the jerk geese but that's about as bad as it gets yeah See, out here, wildfire season has not started up yet, so I don't really have to worry about that. But for those of our listeners who are in Canada, stay safe. Jeez. All of the yeah. news coming out of that is kind of terrifying. Um, so today, we're not going to talk about the game so much today. Um, we're not going to talk about World of Warcraft, the game, so much as we are. We're going to discuss a book that just came out earlier this week. It's Duratan, Duratan and... Um, it's the Warcraft movie prequel novel by Christy Golden. Um, it's set in its own universe. The way that this is working, and this is how I figured it was going to work, is that the movie is its own kind of cinematic universe, sort of like how the Marvel Cinematic Universe is its own thing. The Warcraft Cinematic Universe is also its own thing. So the book is, it covers the same events that we're used to, but in a slightly different perspective, and some things have changed. If you have not read the movie prequel, and you kind of want to avoid spoilers for it, I don't know why, because we kind of know how the story's going to go anyway. But if you are avoiding spoilers, this is where you want to duck out. Go get the book. Pick it up on Amazon. I think it's like 8 bucks or something like that for a paperback. Yeah, it's, it's, it's or Kindle. It's eight ninety for Kindle. Yeah, it's That's like Canadian, by Canadian the way. Canadian so. for... It's seven ninety nine US, and I think if you want to pick up the paperback, it's like six bucks or something like that. It's seven ninety nine. Seven ninety nine. Okay. Anyway, 
point is, not that expensive, really, really good book and will do an awesome job at getting you kind of set up and prepared for the movie, which comes out next month, unless you're in Europe and you get it early, in which case I'm mad at you. But congratulations anyway. So uh, this was written by Christy Golden, and we know Christy pretty well because she's written, gosh, I don't know, about half of the books. I think most importantly to the terms of this book, however, mm-hmm. she wrote Rise of the Horde. She did mm-hmm. Rise of the Horde. She did Lord of the Clans. She basically, yeah. she's, if there's an orc involved in the book, chances are Christy Golden was the one that wrote it. Yeah. Um, needless to say, she's really good at writing orc books. I, I mean, she writes a bunch of other stuff, too. And she's written a bunch of other stuff. I really liked uh, Jane of Proudmoore, T- Tides of War. But then she's also written a bunch of like Star Wars books and things like that. that I are, loved her StarCraft books. Really. The StarCraft ones are excellent. I mean, she's just an excellent author all around. But orcs are really in her wheelhouse. <laughs> and it's kind of reflected in the book. Um, you guys both just finished reading it. So um, let me know. What would you think? I Let's just jump book, in. I thought the book was good. I have a couple of problems with it. One of which has nothing to do with the quality of the book. Uh, I think it's very strange that the only way I found out about it was you saying, hey, we're going to talk about the book this week. Yeah. You should a get a copy. I, I mean, Yeah, it didn't I, really have like the usual round of promotion on WorldWarcraft.com and yeah, all of the other – the places you would think would mention it directly. It wasn't really mentioned. I heard about it. Because Chrissy tweeted it. I forgot yeah. that it was – I knew that it was coming out. I just – I forgot the release date until she mentioned it on her Twitter. And I was yeah. like, oh, I need to go get that and read it. That's kind of bizarre up front. That, yeah. That was, None I of my newsletters say, reported it too. And I'm actually one of those people that I subscribe to newsletters for like book releases and stuff like that. And nothing was present yeah. there either about it. I'll also say that I do think it has one flaw as a narrative in that it is extremely rushed. Maybe rushed isn't the right word, but – there's a lot happening in this book very quickly. Yeah, it's a tight timeline. You you got like stuff just you I had to go back a couple of times and make sure that I hadn't skipped things. Like it felt like wait what, what when did that happen and I went back no I guess we went straight to that. It it's very I don't I mean fast paced is the is the good way to say it, but there's points in the book where the narrative feels like it it jump places. It's there's a lot in it happening. And it's like I said when we were talking about it briefly. That it's not a fast. It's not a, like a, a, a. It's a fast read. Like the book will pull you along. You don't have to. It's not a book that slogs you, and you feel like you have to take a long time to read it. I read it in like four hours. Yeah, I mean, I sat down and read it in one sitting. It was like you said, it, a fast read. That's what I would call it. Um, it. And that's not that's not negative. That's not the negative part. But I do think there are places where you need to like really pay attention. Okay. This this scene is is directly off of that scene, even though there's been a good amount of time has jumped. So that's that would be a, that's an actual criticism I have of it. But overall, it's it's a it's a very good book. And it the the other problem is this one's a particularly like this is a just for us kind of complaint. Like if you've never read a Warcraft book in your life, you won't have this problem. There were several places where I was like, but the previous scene from the original continuity was really good. Now it's not here. There's a, <laughs> there's a moment where where Durton and Draka in the original timeline there's a hunt thing that the flavor of it is kind of preserved but the actual circumstances are not and I felt like you know what as as much as 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 Christy Golden is a good writer I honestly feel like the previous scene was better and it was her scene she wrote the previous scene she wrote you know um, Rise of the Horde so I'm sitting there going but this is a place where I'm actually going to say that the writer who rewrote the scene that was the same writer didn't do it as well as she did the last time. And that's a very weird feeling to have, you know, like lore wise. I felt like that that happens a few times that there's, there's places where I feel like, Oh, okay. This has been changed. And I didn't quite know. Like, should we just talk about Orgrim Doomhammer? Um, let's not just yet, Joe. I'm wondering what your impressions were. <laughs> let's, let's ask uh, Joe and get his two cents in here and then we'll go into that other stuff. So I actually really did enjoy the book quite a bit. Uh, it's a I good book. I, do, I just wanted to say that's <laughs> lore-wise. That's that's a particularly weird thing that I, I had happen. What what I got out of it was almost like, and I, I don't want to call it like revisionist lore, but for lack of a better term, a, the, the way that the book read to me, not that, again, I loved every, every bit of it. Um, of course, I'm going to have my complaints uh, here and there, but it felt almost like this is them sitting down and going, okay, this is what we had all these times before, 
but this is how thinking back on it, it should have been. Let's make that happen. And maybe that there was a little touch of Metzen kind of revising some of what he wanted to happen and saying, could you maybe make this happen instead? Or, you know, along those lines. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because let's face it, as we get older, like I, I've, I've gone back and read some of the stuff that I wrote as a 13 year old child and look back on it as a 30 year old man and be like, what the hell was I thinking? There's, it almost seems to me like a lot of this was sort of, this is how he would would have preferred the frost wolves to have been uh, portrayed. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't just that they were like, Oh yes, they're just noble and stubborn. It was deeper than that. It was, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed sort of that deeper look into that. I also enjoyed a deeper look into the um, interpersonal uh, friendships of younger Durotan and how he saw the world and things like that. Overall, I was I was very very happy with it, and I and I don't take umbrage with a whole lot of what was in there. Um, I actually enjoyed it, even knowing what the previous lore was. I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I don't think that so, knowing what the previous story was isn't going to hurt it at all. Right. What I'm going to say here, though, is the impression that I got when I read it. Okay, I got through. Most of the first, I got I got through quite a bit of it, like the first chapter or so, um, right up until Garad met his end, as it were. Um, and I was kind of having this internal struggle going on where I was reading it and sort of mentally cataloging the differences between it and the Warcraft universe. Oh yeah, there's one huge one right there. Right, right. And and, and the thing is, is like I somewhere in the middle of that. I managed to forget all of it. And and I mentioned this in the book review that I did. Um, the first thing I said was just forget everything you already knew about Warcraft. Because the thing is, is like, you know, I don't think that we can use the term rewrite here because this isn't a rewrite so much as it is a presentation of the existing universe just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really a rewrite because it doesn't affect that game canon at all. It exists in its own separate little bubble off to the side. It's the movie cinematic universe. It's like Marvel Cinematic Universe versus Marvel Comics. There are differences, yes, but the essences of the characters stay the same. And once I got drawn into the story, once it hit that first kind of emotional peak, all of a sudden... All of that encyclopedia that I've got in my head just kind of melted away, and I was left with this story. And this story was a really compelling story. You kind of forget about all of the big names. You forget about all of the motivations. You forget about the whole Burning Legion thing. You forget about the corruption. You forget about Kill Jaden and Arzul and all this other... It, it doesn't matter in the book. The only thing that matters is what matters to Duratan because it's all told from his perspective. Um, and what matters to Duratan is the Frost Wolves and the survival of the Frost Wolves and the survival of their home, which is kind of crumbling out underneath them. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's happening, but he has to deal with it as it comes. And, and this book kind of details that more than anything. Uh, there was also... Gul'dan was in it. Gul'dan's yeah. arrival was very different than in Rise of the Horde. Uh, Garona was there at his side, and they didn't really explain her too much because I imagine that her story is really going to unfold in, in the, the film. Yeah, yeah, it'll be told more in more detail in the film. But the impression that I got, and maybe this is why the marketing was wasn't really. I mean, the book wasn't really promoted hugely on WorldOfWarcraft.com because. Players that play World of Warcraft already know the story of Warcraft. They don't necessarily need this particular novel. Or maybe that was the thinking of the marketing team. Yeah, and just... this book was more for the people who have never played Warcraft, never knew what Warcraft was, but they want an introductory kind of thing to the film. And it works very well in that capacity. But I think... I think, honestly, the reason it worked so well for me was because it took me out of... I mean, you know us. We're sitting here doing a lore podcast where we basically nitpick the heck out of everything, right? <laughs> that's yep. what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. That's that's what's going on in our heads 24-7. You know, it's like, oh, looking at this, that, the other, kind of moving story blocks around and things like that and ex- doing this deep examination of stuff. We all have that knowledge. All three of us do. And... It almost got in the way of the book. Golden well, a- managed to pull me out of that so that it wasn't in the way anymore. And I really appreciated that. That's why I really like this book. 
then I need to, we really need to let me talk about Orgrim Doomhammer now then because yeah. that's that's no 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 is, go ahead the, the 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 change that at first threw me really hard but which worked for me after a little bit was the the new character of and organization of Orgrim Doomhammer they made Orgrim a Frostwolf which if you you know if you know the lore in in the the the, the main timeline we'll call it uh, Orgrim is a black rock. But mm-hmm. here he's a, he's a, he's a frost wolf, and he's and, always been a frost wolf. Yeah, he's always been a frost wolf. He's just that is who he is. He's a member of the of the clan. I think it actually works better for this story, at least. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't judge on the movie. But it works better in this story because their friendship was always hard to justify. Do you know what I mean? It was always kind of hard. Like, why are they such close friends when they rarely get to see each other? They don't know each other very well. And the thing is, is that in World of Draenor, um. Duratan has a brother who, you know, he he's kind of a raging jerk, but he ends up being okay at the end. And there's another brother, but that's not neither here nor there. They kind of took those characters out and gave Orgrim their role without him. And he's not a jerk to Duratan at all. He's much he's much more of a you know supporting character, and he's a good supporting character. He's actually funny. Orgrim Doomhammer is funny. Which oh, is tons like, of personality. Yeah, uh, well, there's one part where like Doomhammer's like, you know, let's see here. I, if I were as stupid as you, which which I'd have to injure myself to be this stupid because you have the perfect thing right in your face and you're not doing it. Oh, I don't know, my war, chief, my my chieftain. Uh, maybe I guess. Like he's being sarcastic <laughs> right to Duratan's face, and Duratan's like, "You want to try it? Go ahead, take a shot." It's fantastic. They have a. They, once you get that you, relationship is. Is yeah. probably the perfect thing in the book for me. Once you once you let go of who Doomhammer is supposed to be, like from what your experience of him is, uh, you let go of the backstabber, you let go of all that, and you just take this character Orgrim. His he's effing hilarious but, because but not... he's not the backstabber yet. Yeah. He's not anybody yet. Oh, he's, he's just Duratan's buddy. He's yeah, like I... he's like Duratan's brother. He kind of fills that brotherly yeah. role and. I know in Rise of the Horde, there was a big deal made about the fact that Orgrim and Duratan were friends across clan lines because that didn't usually happen or whatever. This works better because it feels natural. Well, plus, I mean, you also kind of get the idea. There's there's another really great moment where where Draka and Doomhammer are standing around because they've both been... Doomhammer has basically been told, look, somebody has to be in charge when I'm not here. It's going to have to be you. And Doomhammer's like, I don't like it, but all right. And Draka's like like almost eight months pregnant <laughs> he's like you can't come you are eight months pregnant woman he's like i'll just shoot things no you're not coming so she's sitting there she's mad he's sitting there he's mad they're both kind of just she's like she, she's like talking and he says you know that's not my problem my problem isn't that I, that he had me asked me to stay behind i'd stay behind for him in a heartbeat i'll do whatever he asks it's you know he's our he's been the best leader we've ever had he, through through this hell we've been through he's been this great leader and you know I, I don't know if I can I can't I, can, I can't I live can't. up to that yeah and she goes no you can't lead like he can the question is can you be a good leader and ask yourself can you be a good leader and and he waits for a moment and she's like I think you can and he goes he did well choosing you and she goes yes he did <laughs> and it's and just, that, it's I love that moment nice... that followed that too where he's sitting there he's like yeah you know what nobody's died from just chilling in the last couple of days so I think I'm doing great you're right yep we're good. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, no one, no one died. No, I've never heard of anyone dying from just hanging out. So yeah, we're doing great, comparatively compared to like you know the ground swallowing us all. I yeah. I love Draka's character in this. They, they made Draka was good before. Um, I actually they rounded her out. They really yeah. rounded her out. In uh, I actually really there's a moment that I love. Like I said, they changed it, and the old scene, and the old scene in many ways is one of my favorite scenes in Warcraft lore. So I was a little torn on it. But there's a really – it's a fascinating scene where he asks her to come with them on a hunt, and she refuses. And he comes close to ordering her to go with him, and she's like, are you going to force me to? And he's like, no, but I want to understand. And she's like, I learned how to do everything on my own. And he's like, um, well, yes, that's why I want you to come on the hunt because you know I'm very impressed with you having learned everything on your own, and I want to learn what you've learned. And she's like, you don't understand. I didn't learn everything. And it occurs to him finally, frost wolves all ride wolves. That's you know they have this. She bond. didn't learn that. Yeah. Well, not only and that, she was she hasn't been chosen yet, and that's kind of a big thing. Yeah, but like, I mean, their, she wasn't culture. around for any of that because that's true. That's but, a, but that's a fundamental thing missing from her life. That's what makes that seem powerful. Right. right. And for Draka, anyway, who's done everything on her own. Yeah, and, and 
in that way, it follows it follows the original story. Draka grew up and she was kind of sickly and weak and she was sent away and then she returned. And when she returned, she was a heck of a lot stronger than she was before. And she'd learned how to do all of this stuff on her own. Um, and it was just kind of like a side note in uh, in the original lore and then there was a, actually <laughs> it was pretty funny too because christy golden wrote that too in the warcraft manga series uh there's a story about draka and it, it's that story of her leaving and doing the hunt and all of that and you don't get the impression in the manga anyway that it was that extensive a period of time but it really was it was it was a Two long years. time and in that period of time Draka, not only did she travel all over Draenor, she met the Draenei. She met them and became friends with them and talked with them a lot, enough that they gave her a crystal. In the book, in, in the movie prequel, when she comes back, she's wearing a purple crystal that one of the Draenei gave her because apparently she was really good buddies with them. And that, I mean, just everything that they... That, that that was done with Draka to kind of round out that character. I really appreciated that because we didn't get that. We got like hints and impressions in the various books and things like that, but we never got something substantial, I guess, is, is what I want to say. Since you talked about the emotional turn at the beginning that, that I'm going to say what it was. Oh, with Rod? There's a, I, I, my, like, this was the thing is like, up until a certain point, like, I actually think this is a really good, job on her part of showing you what the frost wolf culture is like yeah but at the same time i gotta say there was no frost wolf who, who put two and two together on what was wrong with him no frost wolf not one yeah of them that was, was like, that was a like, little annoying their, their culture is such that they it was inconceivable to them what what Gul'dan had done it was their yeah because yeah, nobody had ever done that before yeah, it was, why it, it was would kinda... they that would be inconceivable that's like what gets me, what it's gets just me about incomprehensible that one orc would turn an, against another orc in that way. Do they yeah. fight each other? Yes. Do they do they challenge each other? Yes. That's the way you solve a conflict. Is you do, but do they poison each other? No. That's yeah, that's not the way. What it's got actually me about... not during a, a a treaty type thing. A, a, a parlay. A parlay. Yeah. Which that's actually, not how that's supposed to work. Well, see, here's what got me about that. Like, okay, at first I could be like, okay, their culture is such that they don't believe that that's going to be a thing. Okay, I can kind of understand that. But when the second time that he visits and you have Greya yelling for the right of the knife, and I'm just like, wait a minute, you haven't figured it out in, you know, the five years that it's been? What? Like, no, I was, that's I was what fine got... with them. I was fine with them not figuring it out for one simple reason. Uh, they have had other shit to deal with. Like, they have not been thinking about Garad. They dealt with Garad. They they gave him his, his honor. They talked to the spirits. Duraton took the place. That's how orcs deal with these issues. Sure. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't so, a lingering question. He was, was no gone. There was no post-mortem. He was gone. He died in a fight. Uh, only The only one who really understood how bad it was for him was Duraton, because Duraton saw him drop his axe. And he figured it out. He put two and two together. He understood that that was worse for Garad than anyone knew. But so let's, Gaia let's, and, you know. let's talk about the actual situation here. So here's okay. what happens. Frostwolves are all together. Garad and Gaia are leading the Frostwolves. Gar- Garad is the chieftain. Durkan They're doing is fine. The son. They're doing just fine. Uh, hunts are plentiful. Everything is just, you know, fantastic. And then they get a visitor. And this visitor is an orc who looks really odd because his skin is green. And he has another orc with him who is shackled and on a chain and apparently his slave, which they don't really, they aren't, they aren't sure what to make of that either. She looks weird too. The book makes a very good point. And she looks a little weird. She looks a little like, like she's a half blood of some kind or another. She doesn't look like an actual orc orc, but when she looks at people, Oh, she's got the eyes of an orc. You don't want to mess with. Um, so Gul'dan, as this guy's name is eventually revealed to be, uh, he's there to parlay and he invokes the right of parlay, which is kind of an ancient thing. That's not really done very often. Gaia. I love Gaia in this book. Gaia is the lore keeper. 
She's the person that keeps records of all of these old tales and stories and traditions. And it's her that, that the clan turns to when there's a ritual or something that needs to be done or when they want to know, well, how was this handled in ages past? Gaia has all that information. Um, and Gaia says, okay, well, this is how this thing is supposed to work. And they do this whole back and forth between Garad and Gul'dan. And Gul'dan says, the world is dying. And you might not see it here yet, but down south, nothing's producing any fruit anymore. The fruit doesn't have seeds. The, the land is just kind of withering away. There are no new creatures being born. You know, he's, he's going over all of this and he's like, I want to offer you life. Join me and the clans that I've already gathered, and we're going to go to a new world, a world that is plentiful and full of all kinds of things and plenty of things to hunt, and it's not dying. Come with me. And Garad says, uh, no, <laughs> because nothing up there in Frostwolf territory is dying, number one. Number two, you don't just flee your world as a frost wolf. You learn how to live in it and you learn how to adapt. Um, so Gul'dan takes Garad's refusal and says, okay. And then as they're getting ready to leave, Gul'dan pulls out a knife. And the entire clan is like expecting Gul'dan to do something. At which point Gaia kind of steps in between Gul'dan and Garad, her husband, and says, no, no, this is part of the ritual. And this is kind of what kills me, too, because Gaia's the one that let this happen. Um, and she steps aside. Garad takes Gul'dan's knife, cuts his own arm, drops the blood, says, yeah, you're safe. Get out of here, whatever. And Gul'dan yeah, leaves. I need to mention this because it's important to the thing. The whole point of the knife deal is to show that he had a knife the whole time. But didn't use it. But didn't use it. And that's... You know, that's to show that his intentions are supposedly honorable. That's they were the honorable and peaceful and blah, blah, blah. Okay, Gul'dan takes off. And after he takes off, all of a sudden, Garad comes down with the sickness. And it's like he's been bitten by some bug or another that's not really present in in Frostwolf territory. But they kind of recognize the signs of it. He's very weak. He feels very, very weak. Um, and, and it's... Just just as that's happening, you got you to tell them about the Red Walkers. Oh, go ahead and talk. You, I, I've talked enough. Um, okay. Either you or Joe talk about the Red oh, Walkers. Oh, you want to do them? So the stories of the Red Walkers were, were a clan that had spurned Gul'dan's advances as far as trying to get them to enter the Horde. They were determined to stay on their own and you know live off of Draenor and, and kind of still remain you know independent of this this all-encompassing entity and but there were stories fluttering around about this like they called them the red walkers which i don't know about you guys but made me think of the bone chewers almost immediately yeah a little bit and uh so there there were these very violent orcs uh and so shortly after guldan's visit while uh duratan and agram are out gathering firewood uh which they're they, not happy about which they're not happy about, but as a Frostwolf should know, even the least, the, the smallest job is not below that of the Chieftain or Chieftain's son. So go gather rocks um, or, or sticks. They wind up going out there. They, they're out there with their wolves and they notice that the trees have been cut. And this is kind of an important thing because Frostwolves don't cut trees. They just gather what has already fallen naturally. Yeah, and these they, are f they only cut a, a tree down to make up dwellings. Uh, to make something yeah. big, yeah. Otherwise, it's wasteful. It's hurtful to the, the spirits. And so, and these are fresh cuts. The sap is still coming, you know, still bleeding from these wounds. It's not like they're old. So something was there recently. And they look and they see tracks. And these are tracks that nobody has, you know, made any sort of move to obscure or hide it's just they grabbed what they needed and trudged off and they start quietly making signs to each other of how many they think there are and agram's like oh there's there's five of them and like we could take five there's two of us and our wolves it's perfect odds we can take them and then duratan shakes his head and is like no there's there's at least seven of them we we should go back and they quietly sneak away and they go back to uh the village and they tell what was ha what has happened and he rushes into the chieftain's hut, and this is where he sees his father laying on the mat, uh, laying on his sleeping rolls, weak and being tended to by, you know, his mother and Drekthar. 
and he stops dead in his you know discussion of or, or, or his his telling of we have found intruders to take this in as like oh no something is really wrong and then he's Duratan's bid to tell them of the invaders and what he saw and what he and more importantly what he smelled which was the smell of old blood these red walkers adorn themselves in the blood of their fallen enemies not so much as like oh you know a couple dabs here or there they cover themselves in head to toe in this blood and they don't wash and they it off. don't wash it off like it's just it's a thing to them it's not like a ritual thing oh thank the creature for the hunt blah 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 right. no they're like reveling in death because they that's what they are they basically are just bringers of death so Duratan tells his father, tells his mother, tells Drek'thar, and, you know, Garad says, all right, well, I got to go face this, even though he's told by everybody, no, you're sick, you need to stay down. He's like, if I don't go out there and do this, they're going to think I'm weak and can't protect them, and then that's going to do nothing but destroy the clan. I have to go do this. They were already kind of shaken up with the whole Gul'dan's visit, yeah, and they were kind of shaken up by Gul'dan's words, and... He was trying, Garad was trying to show them, no, we're strong, we're capable, but how is he supposed to be strong and capable if he came down with a sickness, like, right after Gul'dan left? That doesn't, sure. it's just going to make the situation worse. So, Garad goes off to fight these guys. And, and this is actually, this is a beautiful bit, uh, you know, I'm just grabbing it. It was really evocative of what happened to Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the first thing that's that's amazing about this scene is they go forth and he's like Garad is like locking himself in place to just stay mounted on his on his mount ice and they're riding forth looking for them and they find the scene they find the trail of the of the red walkers and they realize there's about 17 18 of them there's actually they have let they have slightly less numbers but they actually have t- like much less numbers because the frost wolves all have their wolves and unlike other orc clans the frost wolves are bonded to their wolves they're they're not it's not like a tame animal. This is a friend. It's your companion. Uh, it's a warrior. Wolves, it is a warrior. The, the wolves will fight with you. Um, so they're riding in. They see the Red Walkers. Uh, Garad picks out the chieftain, and he's all set to just chop the dude down from, from Wolfback. And the guy yells, um, Makora. He challenges and, him to a yeah, duel. Yeah, right to the there. Death. So Garad's like, all right, gets off his mount and starts fighting him and realizes, I don't have the strength. I don't have the strength for this. I can't. Um, my, my limbs are like lead and he's just he's holding his own he's holding the guy back and the, the guy makes a, a snide comment about you know i better do that i better kill you quickly because i don't think anybody else heard me challenge you and garad realizes he knew this guy knew i was there's something wrong with me and garad puts it all together garad and realizes oh my god just Gul'dan before yeah just before he gets cut down he realizes that Gul'dan actually poisoned him betrayed mm-hmm. him and he has no way of conveying this to anyone because he dies before he can say anything. But Duratan saw him. Yeah. Duratan saw him fall. And Duratan saw him try and pick up his axe and saw that his father was too weak to do it. And he kind of put two and two together. Yeah, but the best, the worst part of the whole thing is that Duratan, uh, Garad's wolf ice, uh, out of loyalty, kills that guy. And thus, they can't ever find out. Yeah. The, the truth of it, we we don't know. We never find out. Did Gul'dan tell these guys Mm-mm. somehow? No, Garad Garad dies. Yeah, and the Red Walkers are slaughtered by the Frost Wolves. And, and we never we never find out like how exactly the Red Walkers. And keep in mind that this is like this is like the first chapter of the book. Yeah. Or so this first is this is just the first chapter of the book, and I think there's like thirty chapters in the book or something like that. It's it's over three hundred pages. Um, it's a pretty substantial book despite being a really fast read. But this is just like the first section of it. And you can already tell from the recap that we did that there are like substantial differences going on. There are substantial differences between what we know game lore wise and what's going on in the book. There's no Nurzul. The like more Nurzul's you get, up. yeah, if there is Nurzul, he's never mentioned. Him yet, yeah. Because he's not important. He's not important right. to the story at all. And... Like I said, this is like the first chapter or so, and once you kind of lose that whole sense of, well, yeah, but what about all this other stuff going on? What about Rise of the Hook? What about da 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 da? Once you just kind of lose that and kind of fall into the story, all of a sudden you're in the middle of this really elegantly told story that's 
The narrative is much more of a survival story. It's much more survival, and it's kind of um, an in-depth look into the Frost Wolves and their traditions and the traditions of of that particular clan versus other clans and this whole struggle between we're one with the world and with the spirits and we hold them in like there's this reverence around the spirits but they're dying and there's nothing we can do and we don't want to follow this guy this Gul'dan guy because it's obvious there's something shady going on here but at the same time how how do we stay here when the very world itself is collapsing around us? What did I say to you in, in Slack? I think I said something like this thing should be subtitled Gaia Loses Everything. Yeah, Gaia, uh, Great Mother Gaia is, she's, like I said, she's the lore keeper. Her character has been rounded out so much in this book. Um, she's Duratan's mother, yes, but she's also the lore keeper for the village. She's also the one who understands all of these traditions the most and she's attached to them in a very deep and kind of spiritual way so when things start crumbling apart and when duratan is kind of forced to make choices that don't necessarily cleave to the old traditions all gaia can do is watch and she can you know, try and guide her son. She can try and offer him some kind of advice. But everything that they're dealing with and everything that they're experiencing is nothing that has ever happened before in any of the history, in any of the records that she has access to. Well, plus, I mean, as it's things get worse, of. not only does that happen, but as things get worse, um, there's there's one bit where basically, as I, I said before, I, I, we're having the wildfires, and like there's this bit where the mountain that has sheltered them. It's actually called Great Father Mountain. In they, Frostfire Ridge. Yeah, yeah. The mountain that has sheltered them explodes. Like, it, it, there's a, Drek'thar has this, like, they find a hot spring, and they're all like, wow, this is great, a hot spring. We, we, we can use this. Water, the animals will come. This is a great omen. And then Drek'thar has this dream that's like this nightmare dream of he gets rooted to the ground, and, like, the mountain starts crying, and the tears are like blood, and they destroy everything they touch. And he jerks out of his sleep, and he's like, get me Duratan now right now get him get him for me now because Drek'thar is blind that that isn't different Drek'thar is still blind so they go and they get Duratan and he's like Gaia comes with him and he's like we have to leave right now right now we have to leave and Gaia's like we can't leave what are you talking about our traditions root us here and he goes roots are what held me we have to go now and as Duratan's like all right if, if he's right and we don't go we'll all die if he's wrong and we go we've been inconvenienced and we'll uh, just come back again so, so we'll we'll get ready to go but even as they are preparing and they're not even remotely they're not done they haven't even gotten their preparations underway yet they're just starting to the mountain explodes and it's a volcano it's the yeah. volcano that's in Frostfire ridge if you're you know warlords yeah. of draenor so the mountain explodes covers the entire they 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 escape but like there's a few i think there's only a few fatalities but the the mountain explodes and covers their settlement completely in, in 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 molten rock and for gaia this is not just a tragedy because they lost their you know ancestral home which is where their traditions all say they should be but they lose most of their lore like the scrolls that that the frost wolves use to tell she them she was able to save maybe a handful yeah so so for gaia this is like a triple tragedy she lost like her husband's you know where her husband died is gone where she's lived all her life is gone and everything she's been trying to protect is gone in one stroke. And it's like, to me, this and is the point the of the book spirits. where I actually, yeah, I actually had to put the book down for a second at this point. I was like, you know, geez, that woman, that woman done got, 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 got she, she, she was bad there. I, I don't want to keep reading. They that. left her. They kind of left Gaia in a spot by the end of the book. And the end of the book isn't really like a final ending by any oh. stretch of the imagination. No, no. The no. end of the book is basically Duratan's resolution to, yeah, we need to, whether we like it or not, we need to go join Goldon's horde. But because there's we, that stark we, resolution, though, that he's like, but he says that, and it's, but it's like, but we are not going to lose who we are. No. It's sort of an important moment. He, he said, he said, we're going to go, we're going to travel there, we'll, we'll do what we have to do to survive, but we're not you know, we're still frost wolves and we will always be frost wolves. And um, in that moment, there's kind of like, there's an opportunity there. Obviously we don't know what's going to go on in the film versus 
you know, film lore versus current lore in the video game or anything like that, it's not really made clear whether Gaia is going to stick by her son's side. But the opening is there for her to leave if she feels that this is just too much for her. Um, so, I mean, she could go found Garadar or whatever, and it could stick to game lore if necessary. It's not really brought up because it's not important. Yeah, but but her, character, her character was given so much more in this than she's ever been given before. And you really get an idea of who she is. And you also get an idea of who Duratan is. Because Duratan, I mean, Rise of the Horde kind of went into Duratan a bit. But I almost think that this is a closer look and, and a more in-depth look than we've ever seen before. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Um, I honestly feel like Duratan's really revealed by his relationship with other people. Like, mm -hmm. you get a good chunk of Duratan's character through his relationship with his father, then with his mother, then with uh, Orgrim. Uh, and you, the, the the buddy cop relationship between Duratan and Orgrim is really it's it's it doesn't get overdone it doesn't overstay its welcome it's just it's enough yeah it's just enough Orgrim Doomhammer is the is the comedy relief of this book and it's fine it's not he's not ridiculous he's just the guy who comes in and goes yes that's great um can we go or are you just gonna stare at her for another hour oh okay. <laughs> that's fantastic uh, you know I I really do I I, I thumbs I up like to I, I like the relationship between Durotan and Draka. Um, I like that. I mean, I know you said you liked the other scene better where they go on the hunt and all of that. I but... like that scene. I, what, I, what I really mean to say is that it felt weird to me for it not to be there. Right. Because that was kind of an iconic moment. But yeah. this one, I liked this one, too, because he basically he 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 hasn't asked her to be his mate. He kind of wants to, but he hasn't done it yet because they're still dealing with the fallout from the world kind of crumbling underneath them and the Frostwolves are trying to eke out some kind of existence on in a land that's almost dead set on rejecting them, which they're kind of upset about. So there's there's bigger things at play here. So he finally he finally takes uh Draka aside and says you know, would you be my mate? And she looks at him and she says, idiot, you should have asked months ago. And, and I thought that was great. I thought that was really great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that as well, just because it it's a perfect framework for like how their relationship is just going to be. And I think that's fantastic because it's like she's, she's not fierce. She's, she is. And she's, she's smart. She's fierce. She's smart. She is the equal of any orc, including the chieftain himself. And he knows it. And yeah. that. And, and the, those lines are established right then and there. And I really enjoy that fact. I really do. Plus, I mean, Draco was always a character that I enjoyed to begin with. But seeing a younger version of her and seeing so much, like, flavor put into it. Yeah. It makes it just, it was, it was, it was nice. It was she nice. She has more of an impact. Yeah. Okay, so the other person that I really wanted to kind of talk about a little bit, she didn't really feature very heavily in the book, but the little bit that she was there, she definitely made an impact, and that's Garona. Mm -hmm. She only showed up like a couple of times, and she was always chained at Gul'dan's side. And Duratan kind of wondered who she was, but he didn't ask about her. Garad didn't ask about her, and Duratan kind of wondered why Garad didn't ask about her. And then when he met up with Gul'dan the second time, he realized, oh, Garad didn't talk about her because she's not important in the long run. The important thing is what does Gul'dan have to offer and how is that going to help my people? The slave girl doesn't really have anything to do with that. But he always mentions her eyes. How she's got, like, the eyes of a warrior, like the eyes of Draka. She's got eyes just like Draka's. And there's this interesting moment where, in the middle of this second parlay, because Gul'dan does come back once Duratan is chieftain, and he makes his offer again. Um, Garona sees Draka and says something to her. And Draka looks at her, and she says something back. And Gul'dan says, what'd you tell her? Because he didn't understand what Garona said. Because it was in Draenei. It was in it, it was in the Draenei tongue, and uh, Draka said she just said that she's we're a fool for turning you down, and he's like, oh well, I could have told you that, and and then they take off, and Duratan says, what did she say to you? And Draka says she said my master is dangerous, and I said we know, and that was that was it, and I. I, ugh, I still got goosebumps. I don't know why that particular exchange gave me goosebumps. I really don't. But it was really well written. Um, Garona, the only time we've ever really seen Garona very heavily featured in lore, like 
in those early days was in The Last Guardian. And by then, she's already, she's like this ambassador to the human race and all this other stuff. We don't see those early days when she was just Gul'dan's slave, when she was tied to him, or even when she was created. We don't yeah. see any of that. The implication so, here is that she still is more or less the Garona we know in terms of her history. A bit, yeah, at yeah. least. Um, the fact that she knows the Dranai tongue says yeah. a lot. Um, the fact so, that she was sharp enough to notice that Draco was wearing crystal, a Dranai yeah. crystal and immediately you know, gave it a shot. So we know a couple of things here. She's smart. She's apparently fierce because she's got Draco's eyes and Draco's fierces all get out in this book. Um, and She's tied to Gul'dan at this point, and that's never resolved. It's never resolved in the in the in the book, and I'm sure that they're just waiting for the film to come out, and the film will actually go more into Garona's history and backstory because she's kind of one of the main characters in the thing. Um, I almost feel though that even with these just two tiny little scenes in which she was presented, it's more Garona than we've ever seen before. What do you guys well, think? I don't know if it's more Garona than we've ever seen before, but it's more Garona origin than we've ever seen before. Usually we get it in the, in the form of It's like more about her character, I guess. It's more yeah. about who she is. Well, for one thing, I mean, we, we know, like like I said, we know immediately that she's smart enough to know that Gul'dan doesn't speak Draenei, that she does, so she has an advantage over him that she uses. Um, she's There's an interesting thing where, you know, she repulses them. Like, they're they're not... Like she's, I don't want to say disgusting, but whatever she is, she's not orc. Like they look at her and they're like, she's not an orc. There's something wrong with her. They can see that she's like yeah. a half blood. And and her name, did, do we know her name mean, meant cursed? No. Did we ever that know that? New. That's, That's new. new. Yeah. Yeah. We find out that Garona means cursed, uh, that he has flat out named her cursed, um, which in of itself, I mean, we know what little we know of this Goldon. I'm just gonna say it. This Goldon's a lot more blatant than previous Goldon. Oh yeah. yeah, he's not he's not the the sort of the shadow Goldon as he was previously. He's straight up. I am in charge of the horde. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his relationship with Garona is fascinating, and Garona is fascinating in that you see, he he obviously trusts her to do things for him, but not very much. He he understands this is a dangerous thing I am playing with. He's got her on a very short leash, and I mean literally, that literally. Yes. She's got uh, a chain around her neck, and he pulls her around by it. She's not free to wander wherever she wants to wander. Mm-hmm. So he's well aware that she's dangerous. And I, I almost get the impression that he keeps her close because she's dangerous. Yeah, better to have her close at hand. There, there was certainly a moment where, like, when, when, when he, produces, he produces a fruit from the south to show them, like, what the, what's happening to the fruits. Um, when he does that, she's the one that produces it. She's the one that gives it to him. Um, which is interesting. So, you know, there's also a moment where Duraton is looking at her th- at the second meeting and he realizes that the chain around her neck, uh, it, she's had it on so long that it's worn scars into her throat. Like she has significant, I don't want to say ligature because that's ropes, but she has significant like marks from the chain collar. Where it's bitten to her flesh yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's scarred up from it. And, you know, she doesn't, there is no, she is not servile in the slightest that she does not have even the slightest bit of what you'd expect for a long-term slave you, even if a long-term slave is planning rebellion you'd expect them to have a servile manner she Just, does not yeah, not even a little walks up straight st- meets everyone's eyes she knows the orcs are put off by her and does not care like she she meets she meets Duraton's eyes so often that i was beginning to wonder if the book was trying to go somewhere with that but then they brought drock and i'm like thank god okay at least I don't have to get used to that idea. That would be bad. I would not know what to do with that. But no, they, they Garona do... just kind of reminded him of Draka. No, no, I know. I'm just saying I'm, I was really glad that that Oh, was. yeah. Oh, yeah. But in terms of, like, she meets everyone's eyes. Like, she met Garad's eyes. She just straight up, when they look at her, she looks back. She does not care. For all that she is. And she's clearly, like, I don't want to say she's afraid because she's not afraid isn't the right word. But she clearly understands her position. She knows Gul'dan is not to be trusted in the slightest, he, that he's a monster. Um, which, as you pointed out, she warns uh, Draka of it in Draenei, so she knows that he won't understand it. That That's interesting, too, because it, it, it points out that she's managed to learn things he didn't want her to know. So, yeah, we do get a lot of that kind of thing. There's a lot of implication in the Gorona scenes. All in all, though, um, basically, as far as the book goes, 
I think if you want to see the movie, if you're planning on seeing the movie, you should probably read the book. It's a pretty good book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, though, we're going to start wrapping it up here because we are getting close to the end of the show. Has the book made you want to see the movie more, less, or did it affect your decision to see the movie at all? Rossi. Um I, I have absolutely no choice in seeing this movie. My wife would destroy me. Like, you know, we, we're, I've been, I knew I was going to see this movie the moment that there was a first teaser came out. Uh, in terms of wanting to see it more, what it really made me want to do is read the, uh, the prequel comic that's coming out with, uh, with Anduin, uh, Lothar, Lane Rin, and Medivh. Because I want to see the Alliance side. I want to see what the, what the differences are. I want to see who these guys were. Because, you know, and I want to, I'm kind of hoping we'll get one of the things about the Duraton book is it actually, for all that it's a Duraton book, it gives you the full life of the Frostwolves, and it gives you like Gaia and Draka, and it gives you you know more characters than just Duraton. And I want that from the Alliance side. I want to see who these people were. I want to see. Um, I'm just gonna find and say it. I want to see Lane Rin's wife. Taria. Yeah, I want to yeah. see her. I want to see. All this stuff. I want to see that. Now, keep in mind also that uh, Golden, not only did she write Duratan, she also wrote the novelization of the movie itself. Yeah. And that will be coming out later. Yeah. I'll probably pick that up, too. Yeah. But but, um, in terms of, like, whether or not it made me want to see it more, it didn't so much as it made me interested in what they're going to do. Like, what is this movie? Is this movie going to end with the stuff I expect? Is it going to end with Stormwind and Flames? Is it going to end... Is it going to just be like Warcraft 1, the movie, or is it going to be like different? Is it going to change everything I know? Because she does change everything you know. She just doesn't do it in a way. You know, it makes sense. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it works. This is a coherent it's like story. like they took World of Warcraft, this giant, whomping, huge tangle of story, and filtered it and distilled it down to the essence of what makes it what it is into a really – it's like – I don't want to. I don't even want to say that it's a simplified version, but it is kinda because there's not all that complex backstory going on. It's just the parts of the story that matter the most, which feels really good. Like, like it just felt good when I got done with the novel. I'm like, okay, I really want to see this movie now. Um, Joe, same question to you though. Did so, this affect? So I'm going to say something that I'm sure some of our listeners are going to find almost blasphemous, but I originally had no intention on seeing the movie. And the reason I say that is because I felt I already knew the story and what was going to be presented, at least from what I had seen. And it was one of those things where I felt that I wasn't the target audience for the movie, and that was okay by my my standard. I have you know 12 years in the game. I'm okay. Like I don't need to have a movie. Then I read this book, and I realized that this isn't going to be everything that I already know. And there are these moments in the book where these these fundamental changes come in, and, and they may seem small, they may seem insignificant, but they all add up to the telling of a completely different story with all of the same pieces. And I liken it to sort of receiving like a director's cut of a movie where it's a completely different movie than what you were originally presented. This feels like it's kind of going down that same route. After reading this book, I have to see the movie now. I have to know what happens. I have to know how the story continues to change. I have to see how these pieces are slotted together. And yes, I will read the the novelization of the movie when it comes out as well, because there's going to be more detail in that than I'm sure that the movie could ever hope to convey. Also, you know, Chris Alton. Um, but it's this has made me feel I have to see. The movie. I. I wanted to see the movie. I mean, of course I wanted to see the movie. I've been wanting to see this movie since the first rumors for this movie were like swirling around way back when, right? Um, But I was kind of on the side of wary sort of looking at it with a side eye going, well, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. I'm not sure if I'm going to like this or not, but I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to enjoy it either way because it's Warcraft and I always loved Warcraft, right? The book got rid of any sort of wary side eye, anything that I had, you know, any perception that I had. I just want to see the movie. Like, I would like it to be in the theaters tomorrow so I could just I would like to be able to buy a ticket and go see it tonight. I the book just kind of erased any sort of doubt or or concerns that I had about the film. They. I don't think anybody would have been better suited to write this particular book or the movie novelization over Golden. 
I think she had to write it because she knows these characters so well. She's been writing them all this time. At least three of them are pretty much her creations. Right. Mm -hmm. And she understands them in a way that it doesn't matter which method they're presented. It's still, it's the same essence. It's the same essence of that character. So she can kind of convey these differences. And yeah, there are differences, but they just don't matter. In one case, I'm going to say this. In one case, one of the characters is not the same as he was, and it's a huge improvement. I I straight up love this Orgrim Doomhammer. Yeah, yep. he's the best, fantastic. Absolutely. Best he, Orgrim Doomhammer ever. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing him in the game. Like, I want to see this guy in the movie. I, I want to see if we have sarcastic Orgrim Doomhammer going, are it's you Rob serious? Kaczynski. I'm pretty sure he'll be kind we're of gonna, a crack up. It'll be fantastic. We're, we're going to ally with the pink skins, really. Okay, yeah, this is a great All right, plan. that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I'm totally on board with this. I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, whatever. Let's go hit things. I just, I seriously, Orgrim Doomhammer, like, I, I called him comic relief before and I don't, I, I don't that seems mocking, but it's not. He It's not. He, he is the guy like when you have these horrible things happen and the, the frost wolves go through absolute freaking hell in this book. They but have so many horrible in things. That happen. kind of yeah. levity that's needed. He's a pragmatist know? and he straight up says that you know, he says that several times Duratan does things, and he's like, I wouldn't have done that, but I'm glad you did it. You know, and the the best line for me, the the best symbolizing of their entire relationship was when he goes, "Please come back," because being chiefed into this clan would totally cut into my drinking time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. It's like just, it's just perfect. It is this this Dorgrim Doomhammer is the beneficiary of ha- having been born a frost wolf. He didn't have to have any divided loyalties. He knows who he is. He knows where his loyalties lie. And by, you know, by all the spirits, if anybody else, if everyone else turns from doom, from Duratan, Orgrim Doomhammer will not. I, uh, I said this in my review and I'm going to repeat it here because I think that it's worth repeating. If you have any kind of doubts about seeing this film, pick up the book and read it. Because mm-hmm. it, it'll erase them immediately. I am living proof. And then the other thing is, if you are... I, I feel like for lore aficionados, for people who follow the lore as heavily as we do, for people who have this invested you know, time and energy um, to towards tracking the Warcraft story and kind of picking it apart and looking at all the pieces... I almost think that this book is like a required bit of reading before you go see the film because it does a really good job of getting you out of that whole I am an encyclopedia mindset and and into that whole oh this is a really compelling story kind of mindset. Think of it this way, if you if you watched the Avengers movie, you didn't get angry that it wasn't the events of Avengers 1 through 4. No. Back in the 60s. You didn't get mad that it completely changed everything because it was still that's still Captain America, that's still Iron Man, they still act like themselves even though it's been updated because it's been 40 years and things are different now. And it just they, it works so Warcraft, beautifully. I can't wait to see this. I can't Warcraft wait to see movie, this movie. Yeah, the movie has definitely done that approach. They said, "Okay, we've got 20 something years of Warcraft. We're going to compress it." We're going to make it so it, it works in a movie. I just, I, I really, <laughs> like I said, if I could buy a ticket and go see this movie tonight, I absolutely would. Because Honestly, <laughs> I'm just kind of dying to see it now. I'm going to just come right out and say this. I kind of almost wish that Warlords of Draenor had just taken us to this Draenor. Yeah. And yeah. said, okay, history's different now. Boom. No, because... no, I'm okay with it not doing that. Well, I, I mean, literally, this world's history is different now. Yeah. You don't, you don't know this Draenor. You don't know these people. This is their story, and it's a different Draenor. It's not. I would have yours. liked to have encountered this Orgrim Doomhammer. Yeah, on on Draenor. I really. Yeah, would've. alternate timeline. You're you're his son with green skin. Whatever. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that kind of wraps us up for today. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcasts, like this one, a uh, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, if you actually want to get your hands on Duratan, but you want to pick it up for freebie, if you sign up with Audible, they're offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Duratan is one of those books that's eligible for that 30-day free trial. So if you haven't, you can go ahead and sign up for that at blizzardwatch.com audible and pick that up. 
And I think that kind of wraps us up. So uh, final thoughts real quick, Rossi. Welcome to Doomhammer for War Chief. <laughs> well, he is kind of at this some one. Point. This Orgrim Doomhammer. <laughs> this Orgrim Doomhammer. Okay, uh, Joe. Final thoughts, real quick. Yeah, I, Rossi already beat me. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're all in agreement. Orgrim Hammer or, or Orgrim Doomhammer. I can't even talk anymore. I'm so excited about this stuff. Anyway, Orgrim for War Chief. Preferably permanently, but we know that's probably not going to be a reality. Thank you very much for listening, you guys, and we will see you in two weeks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.